up with Rock Mac and Rob Rossi. I'm getting loved up with Rock Mac and Rob Rossi. Well, I'm loved up, but I'm okay. It's gonna get loved up anyway. You better call back the pasta. Just getting loved up with Rock Mac and Rob Rossi. Getting loved up with Rock Mac and Rob Rossi. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. I want to welcome Amoeba Teen. They're a great new British band. Uh, this episode is actually brought to us by Park Dental Care, 12419 101st Avenue in Richmond Hill, Queens. Great dentist. You got to check them out. Uh, their number is 718-847-3800, and they take all insurances. All right, Amoeba Teen, how are you guys doing today? We're good. We're good, thank yeah, you. Good. Okay. Yeah. Top it, it, right, we got Mark Britton. Bottom left, we got uh, Mike Turner, right? Hey, Mike. Hello. Hello. And we got Carl. What's your last name, Carl? Bayless. Bayless. You're the yeah. drummer, right? Yeah. Okay. That's a great last name, Bayless. Bay Bayless yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get this party started here. I'm going to crack a beer. I'm going to say a little hello. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. I'll stick to Cheers, guys. I should have told you guys this is a drinking podcast. <laughs> it's ironic, really, that uh, your sponsor is uh, a dentist given the reputation of the English for uh, bad teeth. <laughs> you know, we just got this guy. He's been my dentist for the last 25 years. And... We, we're going to have a commercial in the middle of every show, okay? So we're going to take a, a, a tiny little break in the middle of this podcast. But uh, he loves the commercial. It's hilarious. You guys will see it when it's all up. But just the fact that I'm using a dentist as a sponsor is just blows my mind. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Amoeba Teen, you guys are on Big Stir Records. They're a pretty cool label out of uh, California. And... Uh, Mark, uh, my first question is to you. Uh, you pretty much, you got, you and Mike have been writing together for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. We we met uh, when we were at college. So uh, that, what was it about? We were about 17 or so. And uh, yeah, so we were in kind of covers bands when we, we were younger. And I think it was Mike that started to introduce a little bit of, uh, sort of our own songs to the repertoire. Uh, and uh yeah we just discovered really together a passion for songwriting from from a fairly early age really and we just can't stop now wow wow yeah now i'm listening to you know i was listening to preparing for this show as much as i could a lot of stuff is available on youtube if anybody wants to check it out That's a lot right. of the songs are out there uh, spotify too uh, right spotify. Sp spotify you guys have a channel too i believe um i'm hearing a lot of different kind of genres in your music um one thing that i picked up on is a is a pretty strong power pop influence um big star i can hear that in a lot of your music i'm a i'm a tremendous big star fan we did a we did a podcast on them last year um wh what are your, some of your biggest influences that that you know 
influenced your sound? Should I go first? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we're big teenage fan club fans. They're obviously big, big star, a big star, uh, big star. fans. Yeah, so um, obviously that influence is kind of going around. We're, we're all massive fans of a band called Jellyfish. Do you remember them? Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, they, released i so i discovered it released a um a box set uh, they only made about five thousand there are two people on this call that have got, <laughs> have got <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, yeah we loved all of that kind of stuff um but i think there's a bit of a, a country influence as well uh, i was gonna i was gonna say that mark um out of all the songs you guys had, I was I was really enjoying the stuff that would be considered, I guess, alt country. I don't really like that term, but that's a term that's out there. Um, you had that one song called Whiteout, okay? And uh, that was something I was really enjoying listening to. Um, and, uh, you know, but a lot of your stuff kind of like goes into the power pop genre. Songs like uh, Suit and Tie, okay? And... Uh, now, now, Carl, you're, you're the drummer. Yeah. Um, were you got? Were you with him the whole time? Were you with this band the whole time, or did you join recently? Um, I, I came. I came into it um, originally. I think it was about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, and uh, the guys, the guys had advertised for a drummer. I think they were uh, about about to give up and just go down the two guys and a sequence backing track sort of route yeah. uh, uh, I, I i sort of went um along to a rehearsal and funnily enough the jellyfish box set came up in conversation yeah um, you know sort of okay what would you say your top 10 albums and i'm sort of reeling off a few things and uh, mike said oh um you heard of jellyfish I'm like, oh yeah i love jellyfish any of those in the top 10 i said difficult to pick it's difficult to pick i'll probably go fan club and he went have you got it? And I went, yeah. Went, right, okay. <laughs> I, think, I think that was me in the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I know the guys had been writing sort of stuff up to that point, but so from <laughs> around 2008, nine, we, um, we we sort of we got together originally as a band and we, we've, had a, we've had a bit of a hiatus sort of in the intervening years, but then I think sort of 2016, 2016, 2015, 2016, we sort of got back together, sort of the three of us, bought Simon give it, on board. Give another shot, right? Yeah, bought Simon on board. Um, and, and and since then, we haven't really looked back. Uh, it's just been sort of building. Now, I got to gotta ask you guys about an incident that kind of confused me a little bit. Maybe you could shed some light on it. Um, now, Mike, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this because you got the cat that maybe can help you out right there. Okay. Um, there, there was a, a company called Nokia Okay, that wanted to use one of your songs in a commercial. Is that correct? And you turned it down? Yeah. Do that right? what, what happened with that? Oh, crikey. It was, um, it was a song that we recorded many years ago called Friend to the Stars. Right. Uh, it was a time when me and Mark were living together. And, um, yeah, I think we got our, our songs upon some fledgling uh, online site at the time. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and they contacted us via there saying, you know, we've been approached for, for the launch of a new Nokia phone. 
uh, and would we be interested? And we just didn't bother replying, and we just didn't want to do it. It was, um, it was probably as much as complete cynicism, thinking that it was a, a waste of our time more than anything. So we just didn't bother doing it. Um, that said, we could have earned loads and loads of money, and uh, and I could have been talking to you from I don't know Miami. There you go. That would be. <laughs> But well, you could, you no. could be talk, you could be talking to us from your Jaguar, like Glenn Matlock did about a year and a half ago. He gave, yeah, yeah, he, gave cool. he gave us an interview from his Jaguar. That was, <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we back then we would never entertain kind of uh, any commercialism, but these days, you know, we'll. We'll provide songs for dentists, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know what it is? When it, when it comes down to it, you know, that commercialism thing, in my opinion, bands like, uh, you know, old bands like the Stooges and stuff like that, that were really influential. They got beat in the old days, you know. They got beat out of their record contracts. They got beat getting paid. Songs. And then now they, you know, you hear these songs in commercials. You hear "Search and Destroy" in a car commercial. It's crazy. You know, yeah. it's like you might as well cash in. It really doesn't matter anymore. That's the way I see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. yeah. I, I, there's definitely a Bill Hicks uh, influence there when he used to talk about kind of bands selling out. But I think. I think if uh, if you've got the uh, economic means to keep your art pure, that there's something to be said about that. But if uh, if you're struggling like a lot of artists these days, then you you got to try and uh, you got to try and put bread on the sale, haven't you? I agree. I agree. I mean, you got to do everything you can. You know, rock and roll is kind of in the underground, right? It's kind of like not in the public conscience anymore. So you really got to do all you can, you know, you got to keep that going. And unfortunately you do need to make money no matter how small a band you are. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Now one thing I wanted to mention to you guys, uh, talk to you about is, is you played in 2017, uh, the international pop overthrow festival at the cavern club in Liverpool. What wow. was it? What was it like playing the cavern club? I mean, that's the way the Beatles played. And any one of you guys can answer that. <laughs> Uh, we, we've we've played there a few times and oh, really? um, yeah because we've done the international pop overthrow uh, festival for i don't know three, four years i think it must have been um before before covid um so yeah i mean it's great every time i i have to remind myself every time we go up there how fortunate we are to be able to go and play such an iconic uh, venue um and then if you play in the cavern club itself you then play in the the cavern pub over the road which um it's quite a lively scene on a on a Saturday night at half past ten in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's good fun. Now, I've, I've always I've always been curious about the Cavern Club. Unfortunately, I've I've never been to to England. But um, is there like in, in the place? Is there like pictures of the Beatles and other bands that played there, or they got yeah. stuff up like that? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's all of that kind of stuff. You, you know that it's not the original Cavern, though, don't you? It's uh, so the original one was uh, I think was knocked down many really? years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's in the same street and it's part because they're all kind of these underground. Uh, there must have been warehouses or something. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like a, a door or two down from the original one. But it's yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's a great sound as well, actually. Yeah. Um, so when you because there are two there are two stages in the cavern. There's the 
the iconic one that you think of when you you know you think of the Beatles. Yeah. And then there's actually a bigger stage which is a bit more practical for kind of modern bands, and we played on both. The, the iconic one. There's a really great sound, and I think it's because it's almost like a tunnel really that you're playing into, and it gives it a really good bass sound. I, I, after we played, I thought that must have had an influence on how they wanted to record actually with the you know the really present bass that they had on their later records. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, me, let me ask you guys a question. How do you guys um, practice during the pandemic? How were you guys getting? Were you guys doing like like um, what is it that they have? Um, Skype like, or anything? Like, like virtually, you were you were doing it, or were you together? Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll take this one. They. Um, yeah, we 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 kind of had sort of semi regular band meetings. Um, we we weren't really rehearsing. Certainly during the lockdowns, but um, the, the the sort of in, in between in between the various lockdowns we had in the UK, and then they brought in semi sort of lockdown restrictions and things. Um, that was when we were actually trying to get the album recorded. So we did the first first because the way we wanted to approach the album because we were playing it live, right? Um, thought, you know, starting off with the four of us playing the songs live, you know. In, in the studio what we wanted to do was get four or five numbers really really tight in rehearsal and then you know set ourselves a deadline and then go in and record them so we, we did the first recording session i think it was november 2019 uh, and got four songs done just the you know the sort of the basic backing instrumentation um we'd got the second recording session booked for late March 2020 and we'd rehearsed on the Monday wow. and by the Thursday we'd got the session booked for the Saturday and on the Thursday the whole country went into total lockdown wow so, wow. so we were like ah so, then fast forward a couple of months we got back into rehearsing together as a band could be uh, the venue and studio that we recorded at uh, Claptrap in Stourbridge, um, they because they couldn't open as a, a live music venue, basically reconfigured the stage so you could do socially distanced rehearsals. Wow, oh, wow. that's that's how they had to do it socially distanced, like yeah, yeah. So you know, you you were the, the yeah, drums spread on out the, on the stage. The the bass amp was just off the edge of the stage, and there was a vocal mic, and everything was like two plus meters apart. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a real pain because we we because we, we wanted to record live. You've got to be tight. You've got to get the songs tight before you can record them. And you was... know something though, I'm gonna I'll point out something to you because you don't always have to be close together. Okay, today is the is the 50th anniversary of the Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street. Hey. Wow. Okay, their best album, one of the greatest albums ever made. And if you read about the history of how they did that. Those guys were locked in a, 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 a an old like castle in in the south in southern France, and it was a castle mansion type thing that was used by the Nazis during World War II. So they were down in the basement, and there was still like Nazi swastikas on the walls and stuff like that. And they were in all different rooms. You had Bill, you had Charlie, you had Mick and Keith and and uh, and uh, Mick Taylor all in different rooms. But it was the it was the acoustics of that basement that made that album. Yeah, you yeah. know. So 
you don't have to be all on top of each other to record. <laughs> uh, that's that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a cool story. I didn't I didn't know that. I knew that they were in a chateau in France or something, but I didn't know it was with all the Nazi connections. Yeah, yeah. They they said that in the basement there was still like just people written wrote on the walls and stuff like that. It was down in in in, in Nietzsche, France, yeah. some South France. Yeah, Nice. Yeah, yeah, Nice. My yeah, yeah, my Nietzsche's the Nietzsche's the writer. Nice is the. I'm an ugly American. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm... <laughs> With that, we're going to take a short commercial break. You guys, hold on for a minute, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the Rock and Mike and Rob Presents show. We've got Amoeba Team, three guys from Amoeba Team. We've got Mike, Carl, and Mark. And uh, we're talking about all things Amoeba Team right yeah. now. Very cool, very cool. Um, we were talking about the Cavern Club, how you played that. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was in 2018, and I'll ask this to Mike. Uh, in 2018, you guys signed to Cool Cat Records in the U.S., very cool yeah. label. All right. They've, they've, they've got a, quite a few very cool bands on there. And uh, you put out a, a, a double album, right? Yeah. Well, Mike, what was the name of that album? Uh, I, I don't know. What was the name of the album, Mark? I don't know. What was the name of that album? Can, can you whip it out real quick? Uh, I, I know there was, uh, it was kind of two parties, you see. It was, it was um, Selection Box 1. Right. Yeah. Selected Box 1 and 2. Yeah. Uh, well, the second part is called the Apple Yard Sessions. Apple Yard okay. Sessions. Okay, and it was it was basically a back catalog of, of stuff that you already had, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 The uh, the the um, oh, the Apple Yard Sessions was probably the most recent recording that we've done at that point, um, and uh, predominantly kind of acoustic-y based. Uh, recorded at Mark's home studio. Um, and the selection box was, yeah, as you say, it was a selection of older recordings that we'd either done in professional studios or at home studios. Um, and it seemed like a really good opportunity just to put it together when Cool Cats uh, uh, said they were, they were interested in putting something out by us. Cool, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I found it interesting that I found it interesting that you guys signed to Cool Cat and they agreed to put out a double album. Usually that doesn't happen. 
Yeah, Ray, Ray's a lovely guy, and um, yeah, he just he, he reached out to us. He he really liked some of the stuff we were doing, and yeah, at that point we were we were you know we had a, a few discussions with him, and we were, we thought yeah let's let's do this. Um, so it, the, the songs were knocking around, and it's a good opportunity to to get the exposure through. Now, one thing that you guys kind of you know, your, your, your sound kind of varies between power pop and kind of a alt country kind of sound, uh, little other things mixed in there. In 2019, uh, you kind of, at that point, I believe you, you, you signed to Big Stir and it seemed like there was some stuff that, you know, your sound changed a little bit. Uh, you had that single suit and tie, which was a little bit heavier. I felt, you know, when listening to it, which I think it's a great tune. Uh, but I was hearing, you know, a little bit of like Big Star and even like, uh, oh, I don't know, anything that would be considered pow like late 70s power pop kind of sound. Um, and also, I, you know, I, I don't know if anybody ever told you, I kind of hear a little bit of buzzcocks in your music as well. You guys influenced by them at all? Uh, kind of, I, I suppose that kind of era of um, late seventies kind of pop, pop punk, and, from, and, um, and, and not only not only the Buzzcocks, the Undertones. I hear the Undertones oh, yeah, in yeah, the music yeah, as well. Lovely, Maybe lovely even more that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had a bit of a uh, a bit of a time, um, probably post um, that album, uh, Medium Wave, uh, when we started talking uh, and, and listening to a fair bit of sort of new wave um as well and uh yeah all of that kind of melding into crunchy guitars that they're not too heavy that it's you know beyond what we would normally do but um it's pop and it's it's uh, i mean that's the that's the kind of the the uh the nature of power pop isn't it is that it's it's pop songs that are kind of crunchy guitars and nice harmonies and so on but it's got a bit of bit of power behind it and um yeah all of those all of those bands you know the post-punk bands as such um yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd go with I'd go with a lot of that. Even though it's probably not a direct influence, it's definitely in there in the background. Yeah, I, I, I do hear a lot of the the Irish band, the undertones, and in, in some of the power pop stuff. Um, but you know, the old the old country stuff I find very interesting, and and it takes a lot of balls to go into that genre. I think I think I, I commend you for it because, <laughs> it, you know, some people when they hear that they turn it off. Okay, they just kind of like go ah. You know, I don't like country music. I, and it, well, you know what? I shouldn't say that because in England, country music is looked at a little bit differently. But in America, you know, in America and coming from New York City, you throw something like that on, they're going to go, the fuck you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but but I love that stuff. OK, I'm a, you know, um, I remember uh, Mike Ness from Social Distortion had said, you know, if you want to be a rebel and play the most punk rock music you could play, you play country music. <laughs> All right. And he, you know, Social Distortion has delved into that stuff, and he has solo stuff that delved into that. And I agree with that, All right, because it's it's really, you know, country music, and I'm not talking the, the stuff that's pop. I'm not talking Taylor Swift or none of that crap, all right? I'm talking, I'm talking like, you know, crying in your whiskey, you know, slide guitar kind of stuff. And that's that's what you want to hear, all right? I mean that song "White Out." When I heard it, 
I had to pop a bottle of JD. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to this song. It's great. I'm going to get drunk, you know? <laughs> you, you, and you've heard January as well with the, uh, with the slide. and yeah. Yes, I was going to ask you about that because, again, that's another track that I, I, the, video, the video I found funny. The, 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 video, the video is funny. And uh, I think you're, I think, Mark, I think you're sitting on the couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Facebook banned it. Wait, what? What? Facebook banned it for some reason. I think it's Facebook banned that, that, that video? Yeah. Why? Yeah, just, <laughs> references about Brexit and. Oh, oh yeah. The, right, right. In the commercial. The, yeah. The, the, Facebook is ridiculous. I've, I've, I've been in Facebook jail for 30 days like 10 times, man. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Who could figure out their algorithms, right? Who cares? Uh, yeah. You know, but but uh, you know, January uh, came out um, April twenty second of this year, and you can see it on YouTube. It's a great video. It's a great song. Uh, it's on Big Star Records, and uh, is it part? I understand it's part of the self titled album that's going to be out now, right? That is out, right? It is out. It is out. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. you can find that on Amazon and, and everywhere else, right? Yeah, Amazon, uh, on BigStarRecords.com as well. Um, and uh, pro probably a host of, a host of the, the sites. And, uh, we're hoping as well, because uh, BigStar have now uh, partnered with uh, The Orchard, the sort of music distribution uh, company, Arm of Sony. Um, so we're hoping that um, physical copies will get out to uh, various sort of record stores across the US as well. So, any any vinyl possibly? Oh, we'd love to do vinyl. So it's so bloody expensive, and there's a massive waiting list. Yeah, yeah. The resurgence in uh, vinyl, certainly certainly in the UK and across Europe, um, the the pressing plants we. We talked about it originally, and in fact, we we designed the the track order to be a two a two sided, mm. you know, record. Right. Uh, uh, so that sort of played into the the, the running into order. Into the next one, into the next one. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. And you know, end of side one, start of side yeah. two. Yeah. All that sort of thing. So that was that was always in our planning, and then when we when we got the final mixes. And everything for the album bottomed out towards the back end of uh, 2021. Gotcha. We started looking, and we were we were we were being quoted like 18 months waiting time for vinyl. Okay, cool. So that yeah. put, like, this time next year before we could have had vinyl, and it's like, yeah, I, 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 I know. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad as a as a music fan. I'm so glad that vinyls made a comeback, but they they're really approaching this point where they've become so expensive that it yeah. it prices out the average person as to what you can afford on vinyl. I mean, you know, it, th th what they're doing is they they're put they're re-releasing everything. Okay, yeah. you could find you know Cramps records on on 180 gram vinyl. Okay, that are like fifty bucks a pop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's great because I mean, 
it, it's good that they're remastering them, putting them out. But I have these records already. I have them. All right. Yeah. And and the kid the kids today, some of them do get into the older stuff, but but most of them don't know about it. They're not going to buy it. It's 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 geared at an older audience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they have to find a way to gear it towards a younger audience. They're they're kind of like making headway into that. For instance, like my you know like my stepdaughters. They have a record player. My stepdaughters are, you know, in their twenties. Okay, they have a, they have a record player and they play stuff. And then I pull out my records and they go, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll pull out I'll pull out a, an undertones album and they're like, "What the hell is this?" You know, but they're listening to it. And to me, like so much of this music, and and you guys too, I would I would agree. A lot, a lot, a lot of the sound that you guys have really is geared towards vinyl. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, we we we're really influenced by that kind of uh, all through the seventies sound. Uh, you know, we're Tom Petty fans. Uh -huh. you know, more up to sort of well, nineties and even today. I mean, I love Wilco. That's a band I really like. Right. Um, so, but yeah, definitely the seventies is, is a big influence on us. Have you guys, uh, are you guys fans of like the Jesus and Mary chain and that kind of stuff? Oh. You know? I am. Uh, Simon. I knew one of you had to be, I hear, yeah. I hear a, little, a little feedback here and there in the music. I knew one of you had to be there. Yeah. yeah it's, um, yeah, I, I'm the, I'm the noise merchant really. Mark, Mark <laughs> has got the classic height and, you know, finding the, the hidden chords. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm the one that's just like, let's just turn it up louder and make it noisy. Mike's um, the, the grit in the machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As long that, as you have one guy like that in the band, it's always good, you know. Me, yeah, Keep, me keeps the ground. Me and Simon saw the Jesus and Mary Chain a couple of years ago, and it was it was brilliantly loud. It was, uh, it, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, loved it. I'd love to see him again. Great, great. All right, so I want to thank Amoeba Teen for coming on today. And uh, you guys were fantastic. And I'm going to send this to Big Stir, and they're going to put this out there, and you guys are going to get seen everywhere. And uh, I'm really glad you guys came on. I wish you guys all the best of luck, okay? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. All right, we'll be we'll be in touch soon. And uh, definitely, everybody, check out Amoeba Teen. They got everything out on YouTube. Big Stir Records is putting it out. Check out Amazon, Spotify. all their stuff. Spotify, that's right. And uh, we will be in touch. Thank you, guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks a lot. Have a guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Podcast you will hear that will be music to your ears. You'll learn about bands you love or may not know, and it's only here on the Rock Show. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.